breaker one, breaker one might be crazy, but I ain't dumb. Crazy cooter coming at you. Hey, fast line, fast track. Y'all got your ears on out there? John Beard to New Holland. Just look at the load I'm hauling. Hard work, I hit it harder. Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer. Sun up to sundown. Backing up traffic all the way to town. Camo hat and a farmer's tan. Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Welcome to another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. It's great to have you with us. On this episode, Tom Vilsack addresses hot button ag issues during his ag secretary nomination hearing. We preview the upcoming virtual World Ag Expo out of Tulare, California, and we continue our look at soil health with the folks from Nutrient Ag Solutions. Jesse Allen is along with a Market Talk update, and the Hot Rod Farmer, Ray Bohax, has another installment of Bushels and Scents. We also hear the music of rising country star Kevin Jaggers. You won't want to miss a moment of this one. Let's go. Well, we start out with a little bit of news this week. All eyes in agriculture have been on the confirmation hearings for Tom Vilsack, President Joe Biden's pick to return as U.S. Agriculture Secretary. Vilsack was approved by the U.S. Senate Committee on Agriculture, Nutrition, and Forestry. And ahead of that approval, committee member and South Dakota Senator John Thune questioned Vilsack on a variety of topics, including country of origin labeling. Happy to work with you and uh, your staff on anything that would uh, allow us to advance a country of origin labeling. As you know, we tried. A WTO basically suggested that uh, we hadn't succeeded. If there's a way uh, to get it to be WTO compliant, I would be more than happy to work with you and look forward to that. Vilsack also said he'd look into all options for strengthening the cattle market. As it relates to packers and stockyards, look, we're going to look at every t- every vehicle that we have, every capacity we have with the USDA to make sure that we have open, fair, and transparent markets uh, where we have appropriate price discovery, where we have the data and the economic analysis that allows us to determine whether or not there's a problem in the market, and if there is, using the tools that we have to try to provide greater competition, greater openness, greater transparency, greater fairness. Vilsack also said he wants to expand meat processing options. So that we're not overly reliant on a small number of processors. I think we saw the penalty of that, if you will, during COVID. It's not the last time we're going to have COVID-type situations and major disruptions. We need to make sure we are prepared to make the system more resilient, and that means having more capacity. I would also look to work closely with the Department of Justice to determine whether or not they see reasons for additional action on their behalf. We'll certainly work collaboratively with them. I suggested the opportunity for the recreation of the task force that was established uh, some time ago, potentially expanding the membership of that task force in a way uh, that would give us the best opportunity to evaluate. These are not easy cases. They're not easy issues to resolve, but I think there are a multitude of steps we can take uh, to help uh, producers have greater confidence in the market. As of this taping on February 3rd, Vilsack's nomination awaited consideration by the full Senate. If confirmed, Vilsack will head the U.S. Department of Agriculture for the second time. He served as secretary all eight years of the Obama administration. Chandler Equipment. For 51 years, Chandler Equipment has been manufacturing excellence. The finest quality in pull type and truck mount fertilizer lime spreaders and litter spreaders, fertilizer tenders, seed tenders, and litter conveyors. They also sell a full line of Raven Industries Precision Ag products. To find out more about the full Chandler product line or to find a Chandler Equipment dealer near you, visit ChandlerEquipment.net or give them a call at 800-243-3319. 
Well, next up on Fast Side Fast Track, the World Ag Expo, the world's largest outdoor agricultural exposition, is going virtual for 2021. And today we wanted to welcome in Jennifer Fox, the marketing manager for the International Agri Center, which hosts the World Ag Expo, to come in and give us a preview of the show. Jennifer, welcome into Fast Side Fast Track. How have you been? Good. How about you? I'm doing good. I should say, how have you been despite being crazy busy? <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, that's funny. Like people ask, are you actually busy? It's like, yeah, because it's totally different. We had to learn something totally new and help everyone do it. So it's been busy. Well, I tell you what, if anybody takes one look at that website, it, it won't take very long to figure out what you've been up to since you guys <laughs> made that decision to to pivot back in November because it is yeah. uh, it is filled with a lot of agricultural goodness there. I mean, if, yeah. if, if you're in for uh uh, uh, getting some education out of this thing. It, it is a wealth. And uh, I, I tell you what, you guys have been working overtime to get this done and present an outstanding world-class experience. For people to wrap their heads around uh, the three-day in-person show in 2020 drew more than 106,000 people of 1,442 exhibitors, and they came from 46 states and 56 countries. So, I mean, this thing is a big deal. How have you seen this virtual show come together since the decision was made in November to make the shift? You know, it's been better than we expected. And it's really been nice because our exhibitors are amazing. They're, I mean, you saw how many seminars and things, but the exhibitors and the effort they're putting in so pleased we were going to be happy man if we can get 500 exhibitors on there we're going to be over 700 and they keep coming in so that's great i hopefully we're doing something right um but it's been a lot of learning like i mentioned before a lot of learning our team in-house it, it just working so hard learning so much and anything and everything we can do to get those exhibitors ready uh share that information and really connect those buyers and sellers that's what we've been doing well, in no way this can replace the incredible experience of the uh, World Ag Expo in person. But you guys have gone to great lengths to incorporate some of the most important aspects of the in-person show into the online event. One of those things, you know, your research is showing that 38% of the folks who attend were there for product research. Another 22% uh, were there to network and 13% were actually there to buy on the ground. Yes. So how have you tried to still provide those avenues uh, for getting those things done? Yeah, those are some of the biggest questions we've gotten. And luckily we have been working with Map Your Show who does our platform. We've been working with them for a few years and they created this show and provided all those things for exhibitors. Um, the biggest things that people are gonna find is one of the questions is normally you can walk through the show there's so much to see and even along the way to seeing the exhibitor you're there for you discover a new product or something new so how do you recreate that online it's different so we really recommend that people get into product categories a product gallery because that's where people have videos they have photos of all the different things all the different products and services you can scroll through it find something new um, anything like that to get people engaged there's also, um, you know, networking as far as talk to those exhibitors, sign into your My Show Planner, and you can chat live back and forth with exhibitors or an email from right inside that platform and get some of that business done. So, and then of course, too, in seminars and live demos, there's a group chat. So you're going to talk to people from all over the world. And you bring that up uh, all over the world. As the name implies, this is an international show. And you've continued to put the focus on that with import and export seminars that are going to be very helpful to attendees, especially in the midst of a pandemic where any kind of intel they can get to help put the situation in perspective is welcome. 
Yeah, and that's definitely one of those things we looked at is, okay, we can't do the live show. I have no control over that, but what can we do? Because ag hasn't stopped, so we got to provide resources. So we looked at those opportunities that now anybody can access the show. They don't have to travel to Tulare this year. We're missing that, but um, making it available for people around the world and finding a new way to get those people connected was really important. So really engaging with our local export council. Actually, later today, I'm getting on with U.S. Commercial Service, and we're going to make sure their people can get in and be. We have an international business center page for World Egg Expo in the show. If you're looking for help, there's going to be folks from our local chamber of commerce, from the U.S. Commercial Service, Small Business Association that will be available in there with contacts to live chat, or you can email them. Same thing you can do with other exhibitors. We're trying to replicate those services. So again, lots of different types of business can get done, not just next week, but all year. Sure. And another key component of this is uh, going to be uh, more than 130 educational seminars. We, we know a, a good portion of folks who show up there uh, love to pop in on, on those seminars. And uh, you've got just as many, if not more, here in the, in the virtual sense here over the three days. And, and uh, as I was telling you offline, so many things here. I, I got a year's worth of story ideas uh, based on what I saw in that room and they run the gamut. I mean, everything you could think of here. So you guys have done just uh, uh, an incredible job of pulling all that together. Yeah, thank you. And again, that goes out to our exhibitors and our partners. So we always work with um, Fresno State. They are doing, they're our local ag college just right up the road from us. Uh, we'll also have some UC Davis seminars, but they're going to give some great things. Um, the Institute for Food and Ag is doing three days of seminars. Um, they also have water and irrigation sections that look amazing. I'm signed up for the water stuff to learn about water in California. Um, but then, of course, our export council, um, you know, everybody that joins in, hemp is back. We're getting those added in. Um, anything that people need, dairy is always important. We're partnering with exhibitors. We really let them know this is about education. People will find you and know you're a smart expert partner once you let them know how they can make their business better. And so they're doing a great job. They're recording their seminars. So that way you can, you know, when you go into a live session or the first time it debuts, it might be a recorded session, but that means that speaker can be on that live chat and answer those questions for you in real time. And we're going to have some that are doing it live in Zoom so they can see you and you can ask those questions right there on the platform. Well, I think that's where this is appealing because there's a lot of people in years past that haven't been within an easy drive of Tulare. So they yeah. haven't uh, had access to the show now. I mean, you're you're opening it up to people uh uh, you know, the rest of the country over and the rest of the world over. And I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there for, for people to connect, not only to, to learn, but also to network. Yeah, definitely. And that's, you can see it in the registrations. So I'm kind of looking at it like, oh gosh, I'd love to have like 5,000 people in there right now. Yeah. But we're creeping up on 2,000 registrations. And I know next week when people go to use the platform and they've set aside the time, those will go up dramatically. But get in there, get registered. And that's the way you're going to be able to watch those seminars, do the live chats. And you actually have a choice on if you want to share that information. So we provided some of those privacy options just so people can feel comfortable and get what they need. And uh, I would say uh, looking at the list of topics, even though there are some topics that are probably uh, more suited to, to folks in California and on the West Coast, when you talk about some of the, the, the water or some of the uh, a specific crop, that there are a lot of things in there from a business sense, from a trade sense. Uh, that are applicable to people everywhere and definitely worth uh, worth their time to check out. 
Yeah, definitely. And we'll be looking for more opportunities and that will come from our exhibitors. What's going on with policy updates? I mean, we've got a new administration in the White House, so there's going to be some changes there that we're going to be working all year to continue to bring that information and make more things available. That always lends itself to interesting discussion, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. So there's so many great features on this website uh, that, that, that you've done for the, for this virtual show. Uh, is there anything that you've added to this virtual format that uh, you didn't have in some sense in the uh, in the live show? Um, you know, really that live chat where you can reach out to an exhibitor anytime, I think is kind of, you know, when you're at World Egg Expo, you can just walk up to somebody. It's great. Yeah. But we also realize, especially in this format, that we've got to be available 24-7 and have those open lines of communication for people all around the world. Yeah. So there is live chat and you'll we'll probably go over it in some video, but you can see when someone's available to chat. And if they're not, you can shoot them an email from right in there. Yeah. It goes to their inbox, and then that way you know you've sent them that note. Um, there's also a great dashboard that once you create your My Show Planner, you can click the plus sign on any exhibitor or their piece of information, and now add it to your personal dashboard, and you can refer back to it all year, uh, print it out, whatever you need, just so you have that information and customize what you want to see. Yeah, and very intuitive, super easy to navigate and, and use, so... Uh, can't wait for everybody to check that out. Two more features that have become staples at the World Ag Expo that we'd be remiss if we didn't mention are A, the top 10 product winners and B, the Toyota Tundra yeah, giveaway. And uh, all of the show has gone virtual. Both of those things uh, have returned for 21. Let's start out first with the top 10 winners because that's, uh, that's always a, a must see for folks. Yeah, definitely. We had a great crop this year and it was, you know, a different year just with everything. Uh, but really great you'll see on the home page of the site there is a tab right there that'll take you to the list for the top 10 yeah. but also check out seminars because we um all of our top teners are able to do a seminar so we've probably got at least six scheduled right now so if you want to be in a seminar see how they developed it see what the product is see it run um that's what they're there to do and so same thing with the other seminars if you miss the live version the live chat you can go back and watch it on demand later and uh, be able to reach out to those top teners. They did a great job. Yeah, very, very innovative stuff there. So go give that a look. Also, the Toyota Tundra giveaway, that, that's become a popular mainstay uh, oh, of the show. Yeah, and that's, you know, we have a great partnership with uh, Toyota. It's the Central Valley Dealers here in California. And, uh, and it benefits our local Valley Children's Hospital. So we're really hoping that, you know, there's the availability for people, even though it's been a tough 12 months, that, you know, hey, the chance of winning a truck and it's a donation to a children's hospital. Um, you can't buy tickets online. That's California law. We can't uh, do it that way. But you can email uh, the guilds or give them a phone call. And we have information on the site um, whether it's worldlikeexpo.com or through the show site, and you can buy a ticket. If you're in the Central Valley, you can go to any Toyota dealer in the Central Valley and walk in and buy a ticket. And uh, we did extend that because we know usually we give it away the last day of the show, but we need a little more time to help with fundraising. So April 30th, we'll be announcing the winner. So you've got from now to April 30th to get your ticket. If you're in California, you're hearing this, go get it because it's going to a great cause. Anytime you can support the children's hospitals, def definitely yeah. go out and do that. We have a, can have a winner anywhere in the country, too. We've had someone from Kansas win before, and we'll make sure the truck gets to them. So there you anybody, go. anybody, get your tickets. 
Well, even though the live portion of the show is only going to run through next Thursday, World Ag Expo will feature online content throughout 2021. And Fastline Fast Track is partnered with World Ag Expo to bring a few live streams and podcasts and different features to our followers throughout the year so uh, we can keep up with the great work being done by the World Ag Expo and keep it front and center. So I hope everybody will be watching that. What, what can people expect uh, on the website past next Thursday? Sure. So again, go back into the online platform and those videos, all of those seminar videos are going to be there. There'll be a couple that will come off um, at the end of February in the irrigation and water area. So if you have some needs there, get in and get see some great stuff from Fresno State. Um, but then starting in March, we're going to have an editorial focus every month. And I think March is a uh, row crop. So we'll start there, but we'll probably have a hemp seminar each month. We'll see if there's some finance updates, policy stuff. And so We'll let people know if you're not on our email list, uh, definitely shoot us over your email. You can uh, get on our list at worldagexpo.com at the bottom of the page. And we'll keep you updated with a monthly e-newsletter so you know what's coming up in the next month um, with seminars, exhibitor news, a little bit of everything. And uh, feature you know stuff like special offers from exhibitors and a reminder to get back in there and check them out. Well, again, the live portion of the Virtual World Ag Expo 2021 is going to be held February 9th through the 11th. On Tuesday, February 9th and Wednesday, February 10th, the show will be held from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific time. And on Thursday, February 11th, the show will be held from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Pacific time. Again, the place to find all the action is worldagexpo.com. And Jennifer, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. We look forward to working with you on the virtual show and we wish you the best of luck next week with everything. Oh, thank you so much. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track this week, we want to continue our look at soil health. So I wanted to bring in Doug Sibbett, who is with Nutrient Premium Fertilizer Technologies as a marketing representative. And we want to talk about the benefits of the new Smart Nutrition Map Plus MST. And Doug, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Well, I appreciate the invite, Brent. So we're talking about uh, a decreased risk of sulfur leaching and reduced salt index for seed row safety. That's something that I know will catch the attention of a lot of farmers listening to this. Oh, well, definitely. I, when you look at when the Clean Air Act came out in the 70s, we did such a tremendous job of, of cleaning our air from those emissions from our manufacturing plants. But one thing that did to the grower was it stopped giving them free sulfur. Um, you, we, I'm old enough to remember the acid rain talks in the 70s, and now you just don't hear about that anymore. So farmers have had to add sulfur to their uh, fertilizer applications, something that they're, they weren't used to. And with sulfur application, when it's taken up into the plant, it's taken up in the sulfate form. So that is highly leachable. It can be lost to the environment. So with Smart Nutrition Mapless MST, we're in the elemental form but it's a micronized sulfur that will actually break down quicker once the soil temperatures start warming up and those uh, soil bacteria start breaking it down. And Doug, if I understand correctly, you have more than 20 years and a thousand plus site years of data that went into developing ESN Smart Nitrogen, which delivers efficient and effective nitrogen application across crops and geographies. Yes, that's correct. And we will celebrate our 20th year in 2021. So it's really quite an accomplishment and we've grown sales every year. Um, we actually uh, started off with a coating plant in Carsland, Alberta, Canada. And then we expanded into New Madrid, Missouri with our second coating plant in around 2010. 
and started making ESN there as well. So I'm sure there's folks out there listening to this and wondering, how do you find the right blend of ESN to optimize crop performance and also your return on investment? Great question, Brent. I mean, it's it's really depending on the crop. When we look at the release of ESN, it is a, it's a controlled release. It's not a slow release, it's a controlled release. So what we need are warm soils and we need some moisture. So when we're applying nitrogen early on, let's say at a pre-plant application, we might use a soluble source of sulfur in the blend somewhere, whether that's uh, urea, uh, AMS, we could actually partner up with UAN later in the season as well, not blend together, of course, but we want to use some soluble source to be uh, nitrogen to help feed that crop early. With ESN, uh, when I look at ESN, I, I like the flexibility of ESN and where it can be applied anywhere from the fall clear up into V6 stage in corn. Um, I like with the Smart Nutrition Map Plus MST product to maybe get into more of the, the microsulfur technology, the MST portion of it, because I think that's what separates it from anything else that's out there on the market. I mean, there's good products out there, Brent, but um, this micro micronized sulfur technology is just completely different. When you look at micron size of the sulfur in the Map Plus MST, it's around, it's less than 15 microns which compare that to a red blood cell. It's around 10 microns. Uh, white blood cells are around oh, 20 to 25 microns. So that shows you how small that is to a larger surface area. So that's why I was saying it's easier to break down and be available. Excellent. Well, we thank you so much for your time, Doug, and uh, we hope to have you back at some point to give us an update on this. You bet. I appreciate it, Brent. Again, we've been talking with Doug Sibbett with Nutrient Premium Fertilizer Technologies. And now I want to bring in Christy Preston, who is the Nutrient Senior Agronomist, uh, to talk about the benefits of Smart Nutrition Mat Plus MST. And Christy, welcome in to Fast Line Fast Track. Good morning, Brent. Glad to be here. So uh, we're talking about this great product, Smart Nutrition Mat Plus MST, and we're talking about a decreased risk of sulfur leaching and reduced salt index for seed row safety. And uh, as we talked about with Doug, that, that's something that I know is going to catch the attention of a lot of farmers. Yes, exactly. Having a lower salt index means that they can apply it in the row with the seed. And for a lot of farmers, that's going to be very critical uh, come springtime. Uh -huh. You got to take those blessings where you can get them, don't you? Yes. And farmers are always fighting, you know, the weather yeah. and trying to do all their practices and any product that can offer versatility is going to be key. So how does the patented micronized sulfur technology work? So what it is, is we've taken elemental sulfur and we've made it really, really small. And so one thing that when it comes to fertilizers that affects oxidation rate is the size of elemental sulfur within that granule. And so we've mixed micronized sulfur technology or MST with MAP and made this co-granular fertilizer, which means it's evenly distributed within the granule and it's a very fine particle size. Both of those components lead to faster oxidation um, but at this, but at the same time, act as a slow release fertilizer, and can prevent 
like we've already talked about, leaching. Let's talk about uh, sulfur depletion a little bit and the benefits of adding it back to the soil. Yeah, so many farmers are actually seeing uh, sulfur depletion because we've cleaned up our fertilizers. There's not as much sulfur in fertilizers. We're not getting the acid rain or sulfur deposition that we have in the past due to the Clean Air Act. And third, we've, we're seeing higher and higher yields. Higher yields means more nutrients being removed. And those three things have caused farmers to now start seeing sulfur deficiency. So we need to supply it back. And one of the things that comes along with this is the economics, soil management tools, expert industry advice, and concise research to help make sense of today's ever-changing crop nutrition needs. Yes. So we have a nutrient or, well, we have an economics website where we take research from universities or you know, some of the hot topics that farmers need to know about. And we try to make it a one-stop shop for, you know, your crop business. And one of the things that we do have is an ROI calculator that allows a farmer to play around with different scenarios to see what his potential ROI might be for fertilizer applications. At this time, that model is just limited to phosphorus and potassium because that's the data that we have available. But one day we hope to, we hope to expand other nutrients and of course more crops and more geographies. And is there playing around with that tool? And uh, you know, if they have any kind of questions or anything, I would imagine you have people at the ready to to kind of walk them through uh, any issues that they might have. Exactly, and that person actually is me a lot of the times and several other people that are on the agronomy team here at Nutrien. What's the most rewarding part of doing that for you? It's the bottom line. At the end of the day, I like to help farmers succeed, whether that's with nutrient management and trying to determine which sources that they need to apply, which rates, and it, it it actually makes me feel like I'm making a difference in somebody's life because we need to make our farmers more profitable. Well, if folks want to check any of this out and, and get more information, get familiar with it, where can they go? Okay, so we've covered multiple, multiple websites. So they can find more information at nutrient-economics.com mm-hmm. or more information on the Smart Nutrition product at smartnutritionmst.com. Well, excellent. This is all really fascinating stuff. And Christy, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. And we hope we can have you back here in the future to uh, share more of the great stuff being done by Nutrien. Yes, thank you, Brent. Uh, Again, we've been talking with Christy Preston, the senior agronomist with Nutrien. Well, the order of the week in the markets has been some technical selling, and folks are eagerly awaiting the next WASD report from the USDA and Jesse Allen. Alan is here to fill us in on this week's Market Talk Report. Jesse. Well, thank you very much, Brent, and happy to be back here for another week on Fast Line Fast Track with this Market Talk update. And as we look at the market trade here, we've started to see a little bit of technical selling, uh, some of the funds getting out of this market, even though we've seen good export demand for corn and soybeans. And now the Next thing we're kind of watching in this marketplace as we take a bit of a pause in the bullish demand is the February USDA reports that are due out on Tuesday. I talked last Wednesday with Mike Zuzlo of Global Commodity Analytics on the Market Talk podcast, and we previewed the USDA reports. We first started with soybeans, and I asked Mike the question of whether or not he thinks our ending stocks at soybeans will get close to that 100 mark. Here's what Mike had to say. 
That seems like a stretch right now, in my opinion, Jesse, um, because number one, the USDA doesn't tend to like to go down to 100 just because um, they'll probably cut demand enough that we stay at least above 105. I get more of the feeling that we're going to be more in that 115, 125 range. But even at that level, if with the demand that we've had, you know, I, we've talked about 2008 before and how this seems to be a similar or model year that I'm using for soybeans in particular. That 2008 market, we had a very, very similar U.S. Uh, ending stocks number. In fact, it ended up being 140 million bushels, if memory serves me right. But the stocks to use ratios were up around 5%. So you have that, but this year you already are at 2.5% stocks to use ratio. So the closer you get to a 2% stocks to use ratio, I think the more the trade's going to be extremely nervous about any problems whatsoever. And there are still problems in South America. There is still an issue with Argentine production potential. And the soybean production it, it essentially has been saved by some of these rains. But is it a bin buster? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. And February is going to be just huge for both Brazil and Argentina because of how slow their plantings were this year. So I think the trade will err on the side of let's make sure we ration demand. Let's make sure we stay above 100 million bushels on ending stocks. And that's probably the biggest thing to watch for when it comes to when we do get that USDA report out. If we're up around 135, 145, I think the trade will feel like they've done enough demand rationing. The closer we go to 100, the more they'll want to ration that demand and keep, I think, that bull spread really active. What about the corn side heading into this report? We've seen this insatiable demand from China here recently for corn purchases. There's rumors out there of more interest in U.S. corn from the Chinese, basis getting driven higher because of it, and we're getting firm bids at the Gulf, uh, very strong bids down there. What are your thoughts on corn as we head into that report? Yeah, and you know, we also have Mexico really showing up a lot too on our export sales on a daily basis, and it seems, seems like Latin America, Mexico, and China are really vying for those same bushels that we have. And I think we've talked about this many times, but it's worth repeat, repeating because we're right in the middle of second crop uh, corn being planted in the uh, in Brazil. And, and I should say it's not being planted. They're very far behind at this point. They think they're going to get caught up. But if they don't, then you not only have a lower corn production potential in Argentina, pretty much, I think, baked into the cake at this point no better than average, in other words, and, and no better than the seven-year average, which keeps you down around 45, 46 million metric tons. And then you have to deal with the uh, the uh, Brazilian crop and whether we can even hit 100 million metric tons total because the Safrina crop is almost two-thirds to three-quarters of the total. So I think when you relate that back to the corn, that's what I want to look at when it comes to uh, the USDA report. It's not going to be so much about U.S. carryover as it will be what USDA does with the competitors in Argentina and Brazil. Do we tighten up the supplies around the world even more so that we remain the last game in town or the only game in town all the way through to our planting time period in, in April here in the Northern Hemisphere? Having said that, I think you know 1.35 billion bushel carryover is probably what I would expect out of USDA given our demand base. And, and essentially taking 200 million bushels off the last month's carryover makes sense to me because that's what USDA tends to do at these time periods in the winter. Um, we're picking up on shipments in corn, uh, but it's not as you know red hot as it's been for the soybean. So some of the private estimates coming out at 1.1 billion, that would be a surprise to me if USDA took us that low.
And again, that's Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics, who joined me last Wednesday on the Market Talk podcast, and he joins me every Wednesday on the show. And you can always uh, catch up with past episodes on your favorite streaming sources or go to markettalkag.com. For another week of Fast Line Fast Track with this Market Talk report in Nashville, I'm Jesse Allen reporting. And you can find Jesse's daily market updates at markettalkag.com. Again, markettalkag.com. You can also find him by searching Market Talk on Facebook. He also appears on the American Ag Network, and you can hear him host Your Ag Today. Weekday mornings about 6.50 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, Rural Radio, Channel 147. Next up on Fast Line Fast Track, it's time for another installment of Bushels and Cents with our buddy the Hot Rod Farmer, Ray Bohax. Don't forget, you can check out all his great multimedia content at FarmMachineryDigest.com. Welcome to Bushels and Cents, a weekly podcast from the Farm Machinery Digest. I am your host. Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer. And never forget, it is not what you make, but what you keep that counts. The coolant temperature gauge on any engine provides more information than most recognize. If an engine takes longer than normal to reach operating temperature, the thermostat may be stuck partially open. Conversely, if it runs slightly hotter than normal, the thermostat may not be fully opening. What complicates this is most engines dampen the dashboard gauge so that it does not recognize incremental changes in the engine's coolant temperature. This can result in an engine that operates too cold or too hot without you being aware of it. If things seem different, check the temperature near the sending unit with an infrared temperature gun. Some large diesel engines can cost $20,000 to replace or the value of over 5,000 bushels of corn. Agriculture runs on machinery, profits on reliability. Visit FarmMachineryDigest.com where steel and soil meet. And don't forget, Raybo Hacks has launched Farm Machinery Digest Radio on Sirius XM Satellite Radio Channel 147. It airs each Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern and again on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern. So I hope you go and give him a listen. Well, next up on Fast Line Fast Track, we head on over to the musical side of the house where this week's guest has been a friend of the show since the beginning. He's done many big things since releasing his debut EP, Looking for a Party, and he's looking to carry that momentum into the new year, and we can't wait to tell you all about it. Kevin Jaggers, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Man. Good to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, sir. How you been? I mean, not too bad, man. It's uh, been a crazy year, but, you know, 2021's looking up, so really excited. We got a lot of stuff happening this year, so. Man, and I tell you what, you have been a, a songwriting and content producing machine over the past couple <laughs> of years here. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I do what I can. So. And it's, it's all starting to pay dividends for you. Yeah, uh, I, I'm definitely pleased with uh, some of the things that we got coming up. And, you know, it, it like I said, it's looking to be a great year, so I'm ready for it. Well, we're going to start this one off right. Here's Kevin Jaggers with the title track of his EP, Looking for a Party, on Fast on Fast Track. It ain't easy making living just a picking and a grinning, but I'll damn sure give it a try. Yeah, we may play for tips, that's how it is, but at least we got some people in the bar tonight. They wanna hear some Hank, they wanna will some Jones, and they rock and roll between the Beatles and the Souls. Do my best to try not to disappoint. All the redneck white trash, working blue collar on the beds of the and the gypsies and the crazy freaks Got the classy on the way down to see the same We're here for a good time, ready or not And it's Friday night and we don't push that clock 
party tonight. That's right. Then it walks a tent, smirking and grinning. Said I'm looking for some friends to mow. And that first chord rings, the bar starts to sing. You know how the storm goes. Blame it all on my roots, you know I showed up in boots. And you can hear them on the honky tonk floor. Back it up for the night tomorrow, night same time. And you know I'll be back for more. All the redneck, white trash, working blue collar on the bed to the bone. The party all nighters. Hippies and the gypsies and the crazy freaks got the classic. I'd been reading somewhere that uh, kind of the inspiration for that song was just some of your travels and, and some of the places you played over the years and just kind of yeah. observing how all those different crowds come together and just who makes up those crowds. Right, man. I've been doing this since I was 16. That's when I started playing bars. And so I've played all over from, you know, Vegas to New York. And I've, I've had very... I've been very fortunate to have those experiences, but you know, sometimes on the way you see some crazy people and that is, you know, the crazy freaks of the world right there. It's all into one. There's, there's all kinds of kinds and you know, eventually you get them all in one room together and you never know what's going to happen. So. Well, as you know, Kevin was the opening act for the fast line, fast track kickoff concert at bourbon hall in downtown Louisville, Kentucky during the 2019 national farm machinery show. He joined our friends, uh, Jenny Carr and our buddy, Dustin Collins that yeah. night. And, uh, man, and that was such a fun night too. I, I can't thank you guys enough for having me out. I had a blast. Uh, that, that was the perfect kickoff to get all this going. And it, 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 it was like, we, we stood at the top of the hill and, and pushed a snowball down the hill that night. And, uh, <laughs> we and did. That, that thing has been growing momentum ever since. And, uh, oh, yeah, man. Uh, we should also know we had him scheduled to do a, a live taping at the Ernest Tubb record shop in fall of 2019, October, 2019. And as he was yeah. headed to join us, he had a little mishap along the way. Yeah, man, had a little car trouble. 
<laughs> and I tell you what, that that seemed to be kind of the thing. I had I had a Ford F one fifty at the time, and then I got rid of it, and I got this Jeep that I've got now. And I just had to rebuild the whole thing because the engine just completely blew up on oh, me. Geez, but man. hey, you know, hopefully I'm out of that now, and uh, I'm good. No car trouble here lately. So, but uh, he had actually gotten smacked into that day here and had had, had a little fender bender. That, yeah, uh, that on, was that was not fun <laughs> on the way. So, uh, man, I tell you, we we've tried more times. Uh, to, to get this thing off the ground. And then there was yeah. one day, uh, and I have to add a congratulations to this uh, because uh, one of the things that happened last fall is uh, Kevin got engaged. Yes, and, uh, I did. I, I tell you, uh, it, it, it's kind of funny. It's a funny story. I was trying to uh, give a call to him to uh, see if we could get him scheduled last fall. And uh, the day I called him, unbeknownst to me, he had probably had butterflies in his stomach and a million ideas going on, on in I his did, head. Yeah. Be, because he was a uh, a few hours away from uh, proposing uh, yep. to his lady, and I, I did not know that. And uh, yeah. a couple of hours later, I got on Facebook, and uh, I thought, hmm. Lo and behold, yeah. Wow, uh, no, uh, her birthday is actually, uh, we're at her parents' house in Kentucky, and we're celebrating her birthday. And right. uh, so we're, we're out here right now. But, yeah, I was, I was so nervous that day. I was like. <laughs> Man, I, I can't do it today. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> and here's this crazy fool calling you up in the middle of all that. Huh? Hey, no, I appreciate it, man. I'm so glad we're doing this now, man. After I've been all, looking forward to this for a while. So. After all this time, we finally got it going. So finally, for, yeah. But for all the folks who are unfamiliar with you and your work, let's go back to the beginning, man. You're, you're a Kentucky native, Hardin yep. County, Kentucky, not too terribly far from uh, the Fast Line home base. Tell us about growing That's up right. there and tell me when country music really first began to inspire you. So, um, well, first of all, you know, I, I grew up in a little town called Sonora, and it's a little bit south of E-Town, about 45, 50 minutes from Louisville. And, man, it, it's when I talk about small town, we've got a stoplight and a Dollar General, and that's about all we got going for us, you know. So, uh, but I, I absolutely loved being from a small town, and my dad had a farm, still has a farm there. And, you know, I, I always loved that just small town you know, kind of growing up and, uh, my dad's side of the family, they always were, you know, really big into music. And my aunt, she used to be a background studio singer. And so I would see her, you know, she played, uh, from places to, you know, Branson, Missouri. She had a residency out there and played on the Opry and, um, several different other things too. So, uh, watching her and watching her go through her experiences as an artist, you know, being around that, as a kid you know you just you find it fascinating and so ever since then i knew that's what i wanted to do and thankfully i i got a a good uh, support behind me and uh they let me go and chase those dreams early and uh yeah the, the rest is history man you know when did you actually start playing guitar so i begged my mom to start me in guitar lessons when I was five years old and she had talked to some people and they were like, you know, I, I still think that's too young. You know, I don't know if he's going to be able to grasp, you know, the chords and remember those kind of things and have the attention span that it takes to learn it. And I proved him wrong. I, I did. So uh, I, I started right when I was five years old and uh, took lessons all the way through college and, you know, I'm not saying that I'm the best guitar player in the world, but, you know, I, I do get my way around that. And I, I definitely have a little more comfortability behind a guitar. And yeah, so that's when I, I started playing guitar when I was five, man. When did you first start finding your voice? Uh, man, uh, the story goes the same 
aunt that used to play on the Opry, I took the mic and started singing Barney songs when I was like two. So then um, that was at their wedding. Like I took it during the ceremony. So I kind of feel bad about that. But <laughs> apparently that's when I started singing. And I sang before I talked. And, you know, in high school, I really started looking at this as, you know, an opportunity that I could actually do this and maybe be able to do something with it. And that's when uh, I had a, another aunt that would, you know, take me out of school and we'd go and play anywhere on uh, Broadway in Nashville. And I guess that's when I started, you know, finding my voice and then, you know, getting into the, you know, the college years and stuff like that. You know, I, di I didn't tell anybody that I sang or did anything like that in high school. Uh, so it wasn't until college that people started realizing that, oh, you know, that guy that we went to high school, he he sings and does the country music thing. So I guess that's when everything really started to take off there. Do you remember playing your first bonafide country music show? Yeah, I do. It was at Little Rick's uh, Neighborhood Bar and Grill in Lebanon Junction, right off the interstate. Uh, a little just, you know, family restaurant and they they kind of took a chance on me and i was i th i think i was 15 when i when i played there and yeah i i can't imagine how that sounded but i'm so thankful that they let me do it <laughs> well, was that an a to z crowd there too i would imagine yeah i mean a to z for sure you know it's uh, just a uh, you know you, you and especially right off the interstate, you know, a lot of truckers come in there and, you know, have their dinner and stuff. So talking to people, I mean, I've got some interesting stories from playing there for uh, for several years. I played there. So, yeah. Uh, and I would imagine that just kind of fueled that passion to uh, just take another step out further and see how far you could go with this thing. Yeah. Um, in, in the midst of all that, when I was 16, I was working at a radio station in E-Town and you know, I, I had a general manager there that he was like, hey, you know, like, th this is great that you're doing this. He said, but radio is going to be here for a while. Why don't you start pushing to your other dreams and your other talents and stuff? And so if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I would have made that jump. Uh, but I'm I'm really thankful for that. Uh, unfortunately, he's passed and no hmm. longer with us. But I mean, it was uh, definitely an inspiration to me. And that's one thing you've kind of uh, stuck around uh, here and there over the past few years is still doing some radio. Yeah. Uh, so I now I work uh, and I do some weekend shifts in Bowling Green. And uh, thankfully, with the uh, the powers that be of radio now, um, you know, I can do that from wherever I'm at, you know, on the road or if I'm, you know, at home. And, you know, I, I think, you know, with the COVID world, it's it's a lot easier to do things like that. But I'm still on during the weekends, and radio has always been a passion. I love having that line of communication with people, so it means a lot that I can still do that. And give them the call letters and the uh, frequency so they know how to find you. Yeah, uh, WGGC. It's 95.1, and you can get it all the way up into, you know, the E-Town area all the way down to Nashville, so... If you're watching outside this area, Goober 95.1. Make sure you go yeah. check them out. WGGC.com, too. You can stream it. So Bowling Green, Kentucky. Go go, yeah. give, go give them a listen. Man, uh, I tell you what, you, you talked about playing uh, Lower Broadway, not unlike a lot of the people who have been on oh, yeah. this show we've had before. You, you, you cut your teeth down there, uh, like many of them, playing on Lower Broad, playing Tootsies. And uh, you've yeah. also uh, developed a nice partnership with the folks at uh, Blake Shelton's Old Red Club. Which I is, love them. Uh, had oh, you on so stage awesome. at, at yeah. many of their clubs. Yeah, uh, many of them. I play 
I've played every location that they have except the one in Blake's hometown in Oklahoma, and I'm still really looking forward to doing that. But uh, they're such great people. I love them to death. I love playing there because that's one of my favorite places, mm-hmm. and it's always fun. But, yeah, I started at Tootsie's. That's when I, that was the first place that I ever played on Lower Broadway. And uh-huh. I mean, Did you have to go through the whole audition process. Yeah, absolutely. A guy named Greg Humphrey took me in. He was a longtime bass player for the house band there. And he really took me under his wing for that. And, you know, it's it's all about finding those connections. That's what Nashville is about to me. You know, yeah. uh, meeting people that, you know, can help you, that you can help them. And, you know, that networking is really important. Uh-huh. What was that audition like? Uh, I did Wagon Wheel and Friends in Low Places. That's yeah, all you so, need. Yeah. So Broadway, complete, I threw everybody off. Nobody was expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. We just had that conversation uh, yeah. two weeks ago with Noah Garner. That's uh, what, what we talked about. But and yep. uh, I, I tell you what, man, uh, it's a great place to get, uh, you know, forged in fire and battle tested. That, that sure. moment, you can play those four hour sets down there and, and learn how to work an audience. You, you really find it exactly right. I mean, you find how to work a crowd. You find how to make sure your stamina can make it through the whole show yeah. and um, how to play with a band. I mean, there's so many different things that you learn from, you know, cutting your teeth down on Broadway. And <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. And we talked about uh, le- learning to sing and play. But what about songwriting? Wh- where does that fit in for you? Uh, songwriting was... Kind of hard for me to grasp. Uh, I'm so particular, and I think that sometimes I'm my worst critic that I could possibly have. And so for me, I'm really and still really am tedious on songwriting. And so for me, I started doing some stuff in high school, and, you know, I played for family, and they'd be like, yeah, you know, it's okay. And, you know, after, you know, several years of, you know, writing terrible songs after terrible song, you know, finally some good stuff started to happen. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those things. I think that came later on after I'd, you know, already started playing covers and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, do you get a chance to do much in the way of co-writing? Yeah, I try quite a bit. Um, you know, Dustin, that does your all's uh, uh, theme song, you know, we've, we've written several times and I've had several rights in Nashville and, um, Thankfully, ASCAP's really good to me. They let me have their writing room when I come down. Huh. And, you know, so that's that's awesome. And I can network with some really great writers and really great talent. And it, it's a lot of fun. And definitely I've had more time doing that uh, last year than just about yeah. any year. Because uh, I think last year I played, let's see, I, I think I hit somewhere around 170 shows. Wow. Uh, so that I, I stay pretty busy. Um, but I, I still wrote that was 2019 i take that back because 2020 i did nothing so but yeah um so i wrote a lot last year and it it was nice to kind of flip that you know because normally i'm like yeah i need to be writing i need to be writing and then when it was the only thing that i could do i i wanted to you know so i and i had the time so it worked out you talk about dustin collins he's a guy who's been uh, really supportive of you uh, and yeah really gotten behind Um, you Dustin, he's helped me out quite a bit, and I, I can't thank him enough. Like, you know, with doing a whole career in country music or any career in music in the entertainment industry, it takes a village, and yeah. that's no exaggeration. Um, you've got to have a lot of people in your corner, and he was one from the get-go. He had, you know, heard my stuff when I would come over and we would write, and he was like, I, I need to hook you up with somebody. Uh-huh. And he hooked me up with my producer, Bill. And, I mean, he 
he really formed the the studio version of Kevin's songs, and it's it's still in process because you know it, it's one of those things. Um, I'm always used to a live setting, you know, yeah. and I'm always used to playing off the crowd. So the studio is completely different for me, and so it it was a big learning curve and practicing and really enunciating, kind of like I did in radio. And I actually credit radio for really helping me. Kind of get ready for recording albums. You know, if I didn't have that, I, there's no telling how I would sound. So. <laughs> when I tell you, you talk about Bill, Bill being the Grammy Award winning producer, Bill McDermott, who yes. actually produced the, uh, the that song you heard at the start yep. of our uh, uh, our uh, show each week here, done by Dustin Collins. Uh, that they've Dustin just back. commented. He said, "Oh, thanks, sweetie." <laughs> you're welcome fact, bud matter of fact i know dustin was just in the studio with bill he this was. week and and ashton shepherd so be on yeah. the lookout here i know they, they've just, got something that uh he sent me a video of them uh working on the mix today so that was pretty cool that's good stuff man and uh man i just wish him the best of success and that yeah that's a solid group coming out of on yeah, the for sure. down there in, in nashville and uh you know, you you know, you've put it all together. Some of the uh, uh, acts that you've supported along the way, uh, you know, Chris Young and uh, Lady A, Little Big Town, David Lee Murphy, the late great Joe Diffie, yeah, Bay, Riley Green, Ryan Hurd, and we could go on and on. But man, there's uh, there's a number of them. Yeah. At, uh, what what would you say is uh, of those shows and of the names I mentioned it, is the most memorable for you? For me, uh, probably, and, and at least right now, you know, the, don't get me wrong, they're all great artists, but for me, I'm a huge 90s country fan. So yeah. being able to open up and be a supporting artist for Joe Diffie mm. um, right after, you know, he stopped playing with all the COVID stuff and then eventually, you know, passed away due to COVID complications, that just means a lot to me being able to have said that I've done that, you know, and yeah. that's one of those things that, yeah. Don't get me wrong. A lot of those artists, they're great and they're doing big things. But that was just a, that was a really important one for me. Yeah, for sure. I know his aunt, Donna Nita, has been on the podcast before. Yeah. And uh, is uh, probably going to be back on here uh, sh shortly here. She's got some new music out and oh, right still, on. still putting out music. And, and it's just a great family. So that's amazing yeah. that you got the chance to do that. Well, before we go on, let's hear one more from Kevin Jaggers. This is hell of a good time on Fast Line Fast Track. Raised up off a two-lane road in a lonely one-horse town and Time passed when we didn't know it was slowly ticking down From a Friday night in July, summer heat, record high Got the truck parked back where the moon shines Baby with the tan line, tan I'm good looking fine Yet he filled eyes packed, ready where the party's at We rode a little heavy on the wild side we drove every county road open wide Switching lanes to 105 We were pushing every limit And on old 139 Chasing skirts, spinning dirt A lot of love and a whole lot of crash and burn Learning from all the wrongs and rights We were living every minute for the hell of a good time And a football ended all with a touchdown. Tires smoking off Long Grove and black marks where we burn them out. A bonfire on a cool night got a bus 
was feeling right Feel your cooking parties going all night Things are going on my mind Waiting on the right time Making moves, giving signs Throwing every pick of line We rode a little heavy on the wild side We drove every county road open wide Switching lanes, doing 105 We were pushing every limit And I'm old 139 Chase the skirts, fan and dirt A lot of love and a whole lot of crash and burn stuff and that was your first single man what does that song meant to you uh, a lot man that was one that um really kind of got me off my feet a little bit as far as the country career goes and um we got that on a few independent charts that really pushed that out there and yeah that was that was one of the first what i consider good songs that i've had that uh something came out of so that was really cool people were like who is that guy man he's pretty good Hey, I'll take that. And well, I tell you, uh, you, you talk about Louisville, you talk about Nashville, you're kind of camped out halfway in between yep. there in Elizabethtown, and you kind of get the both best of both worlds, and you built a nice fan base in both of those areas. Yeah, that's the that was the goal. And, you know, my fiance, she works in Louisville. She's a nurse in oncology at Norton. And so, you know, we wanted her to have, you know, a, you know kind of an easier trip up 65 than necessarily i would so we're close to half but we kind of favor her side just a little bit more and uh yeah i, I love still being close and in, in kentucky you know that's that's my home and i'm so proud to be from kentucky so i love that but i also love going down to nashville and being able to go down there and work so that's a that's a nice thing well, man, the EP itself, Looking for a Party, drops September 1st, 2020, which limited your ability to be able to go out to tour to support it. How did you deal with that? Uh, well, it, it was kind of a bummer. You know, we had, had everything ready to go, and um, we were going to kick off the tour. And where were we kicking off the tour? It was somewhere south. I think it might have been Florida. Uh, and we, we played the first show in Orlando, and then everything just – it it was gone. So yeah. we couldn't do anything. And so it's been kind of a bummer, but it just means I have a little more time to write some new songs. And, uh, you know, we've got a, a really cool full band project and uh, hopefully a tour coming up in the uh, summer and maybe later part of the year. So, wow. you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm hoping things get back to normal and we can go tour these because I haven't got to play them live too much. So I'm Wait. ready. And you talk about talk about full band, man. You made a big announcement uh, yeah. out there today. Tell, tell us about what you got cooking there. 
So I've got a great group of guys that are going to be backing me, uh, Jake Badger and Scott Edlin and uh, Justin, and I, I'm, I'm really looking forward. They're, they're great guys. They've been in several uh, great bands uh, throughout their uh, own experiences, and I'm, I'm really blessed to have them backing me. Uh, great group of guys, and we're going to be starting, hopefully, coming up, like I said, before, before summer, maybe summer, so... Uh -huh. and, and I think that's something a lot of people in music don't understand or don't realize that, uh, you know, when they, when they come to see you somewhere, uh, you may have a totally different group of folks uh, backing you one night to the right. next. And, uh, uh, you know, with the exception of maybe maybe some of the, the big national touring acts, a, a lot of people in music have to deal with that. It's kind of catch as catch can. And, uh, it, you know, you, you get who you can to back you up when you can. Right. Uh, I was telling you this before we went on air, you know, there would be a time to where I'd have like 10 guitar players and then, you know, five bass players and, you know, five drummers and I'd have to text everybody and see who can make it and just try to figure that out. So a lot of the shows that we did get to play in the festivals that we played in uh, back before COVID, you know, that that was how we did the shows. And so having the Neon Troubadours, that's their name, by the way. So shameless plug to them. Uh, but having them back me, it's going to be great. I can't wait. That's a great name too. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it fits. So, you know, they've got the uh I think Jason Aldean's um group is called like the Three Kings and uh -huh. then um Morgan Wallens is Mechanics Wanted. So, uh, a lot of your uh bigger touring acts, they they kind of form together and even when they're not playing with their, you know, uh artists, they're they're still doing stuff. So, yeah, yeah. It, it is cool to see. Well, man, the, uh, uh, the the single "Looking for a Party" drew some acc acclaim this past year and yeah. uh, led to a Josie Music Award nomination for yeah. Twenty Song of the Year, which has gotten to be a really big deal in the independent music world. Largest independent uh, music award show, so that was a definitely a huge honor. I was also a rising star of Twenty Twenty nominee, so I'm really grateful to them. And you know, they they had some great talent, and just to be nominated, man, that's super cool. I tell you what, man, uh, as you kind of look over the, the landscape of country music, is there anybody that you would love to work with uh, one day to, to team up with? Oh, there, there's so many, man. Uh, on the spot, you know, uh, one of my favorites, um, well, I, I got a few favorites. You know, of course, Morgan Wallen's doing a lot of great stuff right yeah. now. Uh, I really like, I would like to work with the Kentucky Headhunters. Oh wow! At some that, point, that would um, be a great bluegrass, as in yeah. the state of Kentucky uh, combination. That, that's that's the one that comes to mind. Uh, that would probably be up there at like my number one, um, yeah. because I when I put out hell of a good time, uh, they I, I met a guy that had worked with them before, and mm -hmm. he sent the song over to Greg Martin. And Greg Martin sent back this awesome like review of it, and uh, he he was super nice. And just having him say those kind words about me, and you know, being a Headhunters fan, uh, I one of my favorite all time shows that I've ever been to was the Artemis Pyle Band and Kentucky Headhunters doing a collab show. Wow! And that was it was a crazy night, and that was definitely one of the highlights of me and my concert going. So I know there's a lot of unknown still for 2021. Uh, you, you talked about uh, putting the full band together and and, uh, and so forth. But but what's it going to take for you to consider this year a success? 
I want to play shows. <laughs> I really do. And I, I want to have more music out. Most definitely. I tell you, as an independent artist, what's the most difficult part of trying to get noticed, you, you know, and break through this whole myriad of other talented artists out there also vying for the attention of record labels? I mean, there's a number of things. And, you know, I, I'm not the best singer. I'm not the best guitar player by any means. But, you know, I, I feel like that you've just really got to work at it. And that's one thing that I do. You know, I've been doing this full time for, you know, I think five, six years now. So I, I've been working at it and, you know, going and trying to do whatever it takes, trying to meet those people and make those connections. And so, like you said, you know, you can play all lower Broadway that you want, but at the end of the day, if you're not making those connections, that's really what's I feel like gets you to the next level. And sometimes, you know, you can play lower Broadway and, you know, get boosted up. But, you know, I really do think it's, you know, meeting those people. Yeah. How have you changed that approach to trying to make those connections and, and trying to get to that next level since you broke into the business? So there, there's a few things. Uh, number one, when you, and especially with COVID and stuff, it, it's really hard to go and, meet those connections so you're you're doing a lot of zoom calls you're doing a lot of you know talking to people email text and that kind of thing for me i'm not much of an email and texter i don't like doing that i like being able to talk to you you know and so that that's the way that i do i try to at least get you on the phone if i can't meet you in person or meet you through a call or something you know and that's that's one of the things that i really try on yeah, and I think that sets you apart because I've known a lot of artists who, uh, man, yeah. totally rely you, on the phone call. Yeah. Or the, I mean, uh, you can you can send cold calls and emails all day, but you know, at the end of the day, people, I I think, and especially in the music industry, people like that in person connection. So yeah. trying to get as close to that as possible for me, that that kind of works out better for me than just sending out a bunch of emails. Not to mention the fact that their email boxes are, are generally inundated with other people trying to oh, do yeah. the same thing. So there, there's so many talented people, especially in Nashville, you know, and so finding ways and doing things differently is yeah. the name of the game, you know. So when you get a chance to step away from the game, what are some of the things you like to do away from music? You know, I get this quite a bit, but honestly, I, I am so involved in music. There's just so many things, you know, people say, you know, what do you, what do you do outside of music? Well, music's my life, yeah. you know? And so there, there's so many different elements that I do, but um, as far as like hobbies, I, I'm a terrible golfer, uh, but I do like going to play in golf. Um, uh, right now I, I'm, haven't been out as much as I should have uh, because I've been kind of behind the scenes trying to get some stuff done and I don't really like cold weather so I don't yeah. really get out and all that kind of stuff but you know uh, there's that um, I got two German shepherds at home and they kind of keep me busy too and you know wedding planning right now is what I do in my spare time there you go <laughs> have you set a date yet yeah, we're getting married in September, so I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Well, before we get out of here this week, let's hear one last song from Kevin Jaggers. This is his latest hook, line, and sinker on Fast Line, Fast Track. Your tank top and your days of dudes. Ray Bans looking good on you. Your southern bill stunner in them high top shoes. And I try not to steer, but girl, it's hard to do. 
good Hazel eyes, the smirk in your smile And girl, you pulled me on in Now you're driving me wild, yeah Ain't gonna lie, never feel like this But honey, I don't mind Cause you know that I love it when You got the radio up to your favorite song Got your pretty hair down, you were singing along Like a rock star in the passenger seat Girl, the way that you move got my heart skipping beats your tail legs really turn me on And it's a different kind of feeling to suppose that I'm on It's a picture-perfect view, ain't nothing better in the world Got me hook, line, and sinker, girl You got a wild hair to your good time charm You slide on over, put your head on my arm And it's the little things you do that make a hill of a spark Got me swerving around to put it in part Cause the blue skies Where they fade to dark And the man in the moon Drew a sky full of stars Yeah, there's something about you I don't know what it is But when you give me that look And you lean in for a kiss You got the radio up To your favorite song Got your pretty hair down You were singing along Like a rock star In the passenger seat Girl, the way that you move Got my heart skipping beats your tail legs really turn me on And it's a different kind of feeling that slows that I'm on It's a picture-perfect view, ain't nothing better in the world Got me hook, line, and sinker, girl, yeah, yeah Hook, line, and sinker, girl You got the radio your favorite song Got your pretty hair down You were singing along Like a rock star in the passenger seat Girl, the way that you move Got my heart skipping beats Your tail legs really turn me on And it's a different kind of feeling This blows that I'm on It's a picture-perfect view Ain't nothing better in the world Yeah, it's a picture-perfect view Ain't nothing better in the world Got me hook, line, and sinker, girl Yeah, look like a singer girl That song dropped the day that the EP dropped, and within yep. 24 hours, it had already been streamed tens of thousands of times. It's just amazing. Yeah. We got pretty close to 20,000 the first couple of days, so that was that was pretty wild. That had to be exciting, and I know when you're an analytics person, you get into those numbers, and you see it trending up like that, then you're constantly looking again. Yeah, and that was one that, you know, I was really watching Spotify because I was like, you know, that that's the common trend. Everybody's on Spotify, right? And yeah. so that that was the one that I was looking at. And, you know, I was going, and as I mentioned, you know, when that came out, I was in Orlando, and I was playing a show down there. And I looked right before I went on stage to see where it was at, and we were just right under 20 on Spotify. And I was like, wow. So that was that was definitely the quickest – um, amount of plays that I'd had for a release. And so that, that song, it just, it means a whole lot. When, as we've talked about with other artists on here too, that's the way uh, everybody's being judged these days by, by, yeah. the, by the labels. And, What's your streams? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, for sure. And thankfully that, that, that is the one silver lining in all this whole pandemic stuff is yeah. we, we've talked about before we got a captive audience here. So uh, yeah, uh, a great time to, be putting stuff out uh, along those lines and uh, sure. 
Uh, yeah. And I tell and that's, you, that's one thing that I've really liked over, you know, I definitely wasn't a fan of 2020 altogether, but there are some good that came out of it for sure. And one of those is my social media, you know, uh, being able to connect with those people and doing things like this, you know, doing those live streams. That's super cool. Well, I tell you what, before we get out of here tonight, let everyone know where they can follow your career online and on social media. Yeah, you can do that at kevinjaggers.com. And also on Facebook, you can just search Kevin Jaggers. I got the blue check mark right by my name. So that's how you know it's me. And uh, also Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I just started that. That's been interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> that's cool, man. Well, I tell you what, uh, it's exciting to see all the success you're having with all this stuff. And I hope everything starts to uh, clear up here this year so you can get back out on the road and more people can find out about everything that uh, you have going on. In the meantime, make sure you go check out Kevin Jaggers here on all his social media channels. Uh, watch him do some TikToking and get to that website, kevinjaggers.com, and check out everything he's got going on. And Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. And we hope you come back anytime you've got new music to share. Simply yeah, man. come and hang out. Yeah, well, just let me know, man. I've been really enjoying this, so thank you for having me. And it's been a long time coming, so I'm glad that we we're yeah. here. Well, we want to thank you for spending a part of your week with us, and we invite you to come back again next week for another episode of Fast Line Fast Track. We also want to say a special shout-out to our musical sponsor, the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway in the heart of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. I hope that when you're in the Nashville area, you go and check them out. They've got a great selection of vinyl, CDs, and merchandise, and if they don't have it, I know they'll find it for you, so stop by and say hi and tell them you heard it on Fast Line Fast Track. And hey, are you in the market for snow removal equipment, perhaps a new tractor or a new planter? If so, head on over to FastLine.com and check out the equipment locator with the price comparison tool featuring the Iron Average powered by Iron Solutions. That's FastLine.com. And while you're on the website, please be sure to sign up for the print catalog for your state or region. No need to head into town to pick one up off the convenience store rack. The FastLine catalog is being delivered directly to your mailbox and it's still a favorite resource of farmers and ranchers across our great country. And don't forget to subscribe to the FastLine Fast Track podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Deezer, Audible, and Radio.com. And be sure to hit us up on all those socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Well, it's time for us to get on out of here. So until next time, it's Brent Adams saying y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastLineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites, FastLine.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at FastLine.com.